Well, this is progress. Um, there's chairs on the side, apparently. There's, there's more people in the room. This is fun. Uh, good to see you all. It's, it's, it's fun to see. Uh, it's, it's just fun to see more faces. And, and we're getting there. We've taken a step. We're taking steps. This is great. Let me start off by blessing you uh, while you're here and while you're watching online. Uh, I know that this brings about impact and change and, and, and progress. So I want to bless you in Jesus' powerful, powerful name as we get going. Let me do that. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully. I bless you that you would be healed if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance of God, the help of God, even right now during this time. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever your challenges and, and whatever is in front of you. And I bless you to feel hope, to feel joy, to feel peace, to feel loved, because it's true and you are, whatever the circumstances, God loves you. May that be true for you. I bless you with that in Jesus' name. May it be. All right, family. Uh, welcome back to our study entitled The Bible Land and Biblical Faith. Today we're going to be learning all about the east side the east side of the Jordan River. Here is our first map today. We're going to be using our high-res map uh, just because it worked better for me in, in the study. We are basically just going to be aiming for a, a, a general understanding of the east side. And we're not going to have to go too deep today. Basically, the east side is a lot like the west side with a few notable differences. But, but if you were to fold the map right along the red line there, the red line is the Rift Valley where the Dead Sea is, the Jordan River, um, the, the, the Sea of Galilee, if you were to fold the map right there, you're going to get kind of a, a nearish mirror kind of image uh, of, each, of each other in, in the geography of some of the land. I'm going to show you at this map here, the first thing I want you to point out is that just like on the west side, the east side has its green roads, and we've talked about those before, but that's, that's bringing the riches of Arabia right through the land on the east, just similarly to the west. Um, I thought I'd use this, this uh, very simplified map just to remind us about how things flow. You've got, you've got the, um, the basically desert ports and seaports. They're functionally the same. One of them has boats. One of them has caravans of, of camels and, and stuff like that. But you've got the, the desert ports coming from Arabia. You've got the seaports. And you can see that the, the flow of goods is trying to go either through the Jezreel Valley up on the north or along the, the southern bit towards the sea, uh, Egypt, and then up into Mesopotamia, which is Babylon and, and those kind of countries. But that's, that's kind of the flow of this area. Again, very similar, seaports or desert ports, but, but functionally kind of mirrors of, of each other. Um, they look very similar. Let me show you some pictures. We're going sh to have three chunks of pictures today uh, going north to south just to get a flavor of the land as it shifts, just like on the west side. In the north, it's, it's green. Now, the, one of the main geographical differences is, well, it's higher in altitude, so it gets the next level of rain that's coming over the land. And it, there's a lot more plains and flatness up, uh, up on the top, especially the more you go uh, the more you go east. So what, you're, what we're looking at here is um, just kind of some of the, some of the bit. We're talking like Sea of Galilee and east. 
uh, maybe a little bit north, maybe a little bit south. On the bottom picture, the cow's picture, um, in the background, I don't know if you can see it from where you are, but there's a mountain in the background. That is the legendary Mount, Mount Hermon that shows up in the Psalms and at different points. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's flat in the north. The more north you go, cattle country, things like that. Um, shifting down a little bit, we get to the, maybe this, the Jordan River and east, and you've got something that looks a lot like the hill country of Judah. In fact, functionally, it's, it's that, it looks that way, it functions that way, it's more safe, it's hilly, it's uh, got green, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's got these little occasional valleys where you can grow stuff in. But, but all the stuff we learned about the hill country, this is Gad land. Gad, the tribe of Gad, they live in this area. The two pictures at the bottom, the one with the river, that is the river where Jacob, when he's returning to the land, where he sends his family across the river, and he stays on the other side when they're returning, and he has that, wrestles with God. That's, that's this river here. And he, so he's wrestling with God, and God gives him his new name, from Jacob to Israel. That's the, that's the river there. On the other picture, the, the, the trees, you're like, whoa, there's trees. This is the area where um, Absalom, uh, Absalom, he gets his hair stuck in the tree, remember? And then he gets speared a few times. Not a problem for me, but it was for, for Absalom. I, I definitely feel like uh, this is the safe way to go. So uh, that's, that's that area also on the east side in the area of Gad. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep going further south still. This is kind of from the top of the Dead Sea down. Uh, on the east side, again, just like the west, it gets more and more dry the further we go south. Um, there's those highland plains. I mean, altitude, we're talking 7,000 feet uh, altitude, like very high, over a mile high, very high, high plains up there. Um, good for grain, good for sheep, good for goats. Now, the bottom two pictures... Uh, maybe it's a little hard to see here, but you have these massive river canyons. Massive, massive river canyons. And th that is one of the distinct fe features on the east side. There's four massive river canyons from the, basically near the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, and then there's four that go all the way down here. And they, they kind of separate different, you know, tribal boundaries or nation boundaries, but they're huge. They're huge. And east side versus the west side, these river canyons have <gasps> rivers in them, and there are no rivers on the west side. These rivers flow year-round, and so that gives it quite an, an advantage. Okay, so that's kind of what it looks like as you're going north to south. I want to talk through the Bible um, about uh, maybe a two different layers when, I, when it comes to the east side. The first layer has to do with um, the tribes th that come in and settle on the east side and what happens there. And then secondly, the enemies or the, 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 other, the other groups on the east side and how they impact with the Bible. So first, the tribes... Remember in Numbers chapter 32, you're like, yeah, I, Numbers 32, I got it. Uh, but in, in Numbers chapter 32, God's people are on the east side. They have not yet crossed the Jordan River with Joshua, but they're about to. It's getting close. And if you're looking in the book of Numbers, you realize that um, they have functionally, unintentionally conquered all the nations on the east side. They didn't pick the fights, but they finished them, right? And so they, they, have, they, have, they have taken unintentionally all the land on the east before they cross to the west. And as it comes time to cross to the west, and you've got these two and a half tribes, Reuben, 
Gad and uh, half of the tribe of Manasseh, and they, and, and they decide that they're going to um, ask if they can keep the land on the east. And they'll go over and fight, but they're going to ask. Now, I don't know about you, but I get antsy around this moment here. Because I'm like, is this okay? Right? Because you, you, you've gone through the 40 years of wandering, and they've made, they've made a lot of mistakes with, with God and grumbling and asking. And I'm like, oh man, I don't know. How's God going to respond? Because he's, th- these guys are asking for, for a part of the land that God hadn't said he was going to give them. God had promised Abraham a massive part of the land, and they're asking for more than what God has promised. They're asking for different than what God has promised to them and their, their descendants. And I don't know if you've ever had that, one of those moments where you're, where you're thinking about, do I ask God for this? Maybe you have like a criteria where like, here's my line. If it's too big of an ask, well, then I'm just not even going to ask. Uh, these guys are going to be asking for more than what God has promised. And God has promised them good things. And he's been with them all this way. It sounds a little bit greedy, but it does, it does get me thinking. Anyways, it turns out that God says yes. And he grants them this land. And, and here's a, kind of the map of the, the areas that they settle on the east side. Again, wow, Brian, spectacular drawing and, and, and coloring. You, you... No doubt past nursery school. Well, maybe some doubt. You, you did pass nursery school. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so you've got Manasseh, M, the, the big, big bit in the north. That's kind of cattle country. Uh, you're moving down to Gad in the middle. That was the hill country that we saw. And then you have the, the bit of Reuben down, down below. Um, and, and you've got those, those purple lines. Those are the four canyons. Those are the four major river, river canyons. I'm, I'm going to say this, I, I know that I shouldn't for the sake of time, but Reuben ends up, it's a small bit there, it ends up disappearing, basically. It gets assimilated into Gad in, in the archaeology and just over time. He's the oldest. Simeon is the second oldest. He also gets assimilated into the tribe of Judah, and he, they kind of disappear from the record. Levi, the third oldest, they get dispersed throughout the tribe of Israel. And Judah is the first one that really maintains its own thing, fourth-born for the top three disappear. That's just fun. That's free. Who even cares? But anyways, uh, purple lines, canyons there. Uh, Reuben is there at least for a moment. Now, this is not the main spiritual lesson for today, but I do, I do want to highlight th- the impact of what's happened with these two and, three, uh, two and a half tribes when it comes to prayer and our prayers. I'm reading this, and I, I felt challenged this week. Am I being humble but bold in my asking? For, for things, uh, for what I want God, what I want to ask of God. The, the, they're not just taking it. They're not going past God. They're not ignoring God. They're asking. But I think sometimes we limit what we're going to ask God based on fictional criteria. Some of you, you'd never say it this way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease it anyways. Uh, some of you believe like you've got five, five possible answered prayers in your life. You only got five. And so you're going to be really stingy with what you ask God for because, you know, what if you want something different in the future? And so you're going to limit your prayer requests. That is, that is um, not how it works. Just, just for fun. Uh, 
but then, then there's also we have like our own limits when it comes to how much do we really feel like we want to ask God for. These two and a half tribes ask for something huge. They, God has promised them uh, great things, and they're asking for a lot more. Look at how much more land goes to the nation because these two and a half tribes ask. And, and sometimes you have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you, you want to ask with humility and faith and just, just wanted to point that out. Maybe there's prayers that, that you, things that you want that you've been holding back on asking God for because it seems too big or, or, or whatever. It's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. And sometimes God says yes with great ramifications. That bit's free. Okay, so uh, that's, that's the tribes. That's the tribes layer of understanding. And now I want to talk about the, the other groups, the other enemies. I'm going to call them enemies. They're really like cousins, the cousins on the, on the east side. So here's the basic map of the nations here. I want to start with one that I'm not really going to talk about, but the red square at the very top is Damascus. Now, I'm not going to, I, mean, I don't even need to say anything about Damascus. Now you know, looking at that map, why Damascus has always been a extremely affluent, rich uh, place where different good, you know, goods and, and stuff have been exchanged throughout the history of the world, uh, why it's always been rich, significant, and, and, and powerful. You see it on the map. You're like, oh my goodness, that is why Damascus is what it is. Right. It's where the two green roads come together. It's where, the, it's where the, the, the coastal road from Egypt and where the spice roads from, from uh, Arabia, where they come together at Damascus. It shows up in the Bible a lot. It's called Damascus, Aram Damascus. There's enemies come and go. Paul has some interesting experiences there and on the way there. Um, it's, it's a pretty significant city. I'm not going to say anything more of that because it's, it's off to the north of our, our area of focus. But Damascus, you see it. You see it. Uh, the, the, country, the nations that I want to mention and the people groups I want to mention are going down in a row. you got the Ammonites in blue. We've talked about some Ammonites like Nahash the eye gouger in our Saul series. If you missed that, you missed a good one. Uh, so Nahash, uh, king of the Ammonites. Then you've got this area that has a question mark on it. And it's, it's basically a shared massive plateau. Some Reubenites kind of live on it peacefully with some Ammonites and some Moabites. They kind of all kind of live there and, and, and it's peaceful. Most, most of the, the story of the Bible with these countries and, and God's people is it's mostly peaceful. It's the conflict ones that make the, make the Bible, but mostly there's peace. And, and you got peace in this area here, shared. Then you got the Moabites down below that. In, in the yellow goldish one. And you can see right between the river canyons. That's their, their heartland between that bit. And then the Edomites, which are just south, kind of the bottom of the Dead Sea, south of that, that final major river canyon. Now, if I was to tell you, based on all you've learned about maps and how the Bible land w works, in this area from where these nations are, if I was going to tell you there are two major significant city locations... I bet if we were sitting there, uh, you would be able to identify where they are, uh, where they're going to be. Uh, I'm not going to give you time to, to, to guess. I'm just going to show you, but you're going to see exactly why these are such significant places. The first one was a place called Rabbah. And, Rabbah. and why is Rabbah uh, such a big deal place? It's where the two southern green roads come together. 
it's always significant. It's significant even in the Roman Empire. It's significant even to this, this day. So um, today it's, it's, the, it's the city of Amman, Amman, Jordan, like Amman as in Ammonites, Ammonites, that, that's the people who live here, Ammon, Ammonites, Ammon, Jordan. Um, it's, it's, it used to be called Rabbah. You can see some pictures here. Uh, significant event took place here. That wall, the top picture there, that wall, that is the wall that Joab and David are attacking when they're trying to attack this city. It's the wall that Joab pulls back the troops from, and Uriah the Hittite gets shot with arrows attacking this wall, and he dies. Bathsheba's husband uh, falls here against that wall. This exact wall, um, uh, the other walls are not approachable, not assaultable uh, here in the ancient citadel. So you've got that taking place on, on this story, uh, on that, in this location. Uh, David also, he gets the crown from this king, and the Bible describes it as 75 pounds of gold and precious gems. And, and that makes sense. It's right at that green the, where the green roads are coming together, yes, that is a very rich city. It's very significant. Anyway, so that's, that's Rabbah. The other one, it, you, it would be a little bit harder for you to guess, but it's very obvious when you see it. It's called Basra, and it, it's where the blue road goes over to the coast. And, that, and so it's, it's the intersection of the green road and, and heading over to Egypt. Basra, we've talked about this, the capital of Edom. It's this a spectacular, it's like 7,000-something in elevation, spectacular city uh, location. Um, it's a ruin now. But um, Basra, very, very big deal and rich in its time. You hear about the Edomites in Basra in the Bible. Okay. Um, so back to map, map four. So... I've been to all these circled areas uh, just over a year ago, and again, I want to keep driving home that they are so similar to what's on the west, with some distinctions, but they are very similar. Again, they're like cousins, but they're like the super annoying cousins. They're like the cousins that are more rich, maybe a little bit more sporty, a little bit more smart, uh, quite pesty. They're the super pesty cousins. I kind of like think of it, and, and I'm not making any political statements at all in this comment. Okay, no, no, I'm not saying anything this way. But, like, I do think of it, these would be, like, as if, as if Donald Trump was your cousin, right? Uh, a lot of money. If it's good, the money's flowing. If it's not good, it's really annoying and, 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 and super pesty and, and irritating. So you've got that, that sort of thing going on here. Again, uh, the, the, the east side and those nations, they've got the green roads. Remember, Israel rarely controls the green roads on the west. Uh, they've got their desert port cities on the east. Israel rarely has a port city of its own on, on the west. And so the east, guys, they, they have it pretty good. And there's no enemies east of them. It's just desert. So they have a totally safe side. Whereas God's people in the middle, they're surrounded. They've got the Philistines. They've got all these people. And they, they tend to be surrounded by their, by their enemies. And yet, with, with those differences, most things are similar. They're, they're, they're their walls are constructed similarly, and, and their, their, their cities are constructed simil similarly. Most of the time, they live at peace. Um, for instance, looking at this map here, you've got, um, you've got the story of, of Ruth, right, in the Bible, four chapters. She is from Bethlehem on the west. No, that she is not from there. Uh, Abimelech and his family is from Bethlehem in the west. Naomi, they move over in a... In a famine time to Moab on the east. There's not conflict there. They're, they get along just fine. And the sons marry two Moabite 
girls, one of one Orpa and one Ruth, and then the story. Uh, then ultimately they move back, or after a devastating experience there, uh, just Naomi and and Ruth, they move back to uh, the west side. But it was it was peaceful. It wasn't like there was conflict. It was it was fine for people to live in the land of Moab and and back and forth. Uh, David also goes to the king of Moab when he needs his family protected when there's when there's conflict there. Usually it's pretty safe. And again, like that that Medaba Plateau, the the question mark area there, mostly safe. I mean, if it was ever being uh, ruled, it would be ruled by Moab. But it's mostly a safe kind of peaceful. People are getting along, kind of like cousins. I'm just going to keep saying that. Extended family. Cousins. Uh, historically, they are kind of like cousins. They are family, historically. Do you remember the story of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites? Now, that sounds like the beginning of a great joke, but it's not. Uh, so you've got uh, Abraham. You've got Abraham. He comes into the land with his nephew, Lot. Nephew. Lot, long story short, moves down into the Rift Valley, where the Dead Sea is now. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are about to be destroyed. He goes south, and he basically is living in caves where that purple line and the Dead Sea, the the lowest purple line, he kind of lives in caves there. Again, not telling the whole story, but he has two sons, uh, and one of them becomes the father of the Ammonites. His descendants become the father of the Ammonites, and the other one, the, the father of the Moabites. So very re- in a very real way, they're all genetically connected, uh, you know, with Abraham and Abraham's family, the Ammonites and Moabites. They are like cousins. Even more closely related are the Edomites. Uh, Edom is another name for Esau. Jacob is another name for Israel. Jacob and Esau are twin, twin brothers. And, and so Jacob's, uh, Jacob's family becomes the 12 tribes. Esau, his family takes this land called Edom. And, and that becomes their, their land. Very closely related family-wise. Uh, and yet, to me, uh, the, the, this is kind of where the spiritual lesson is for us today. When it comes to, when it comes to this. Although these nations, they're, they're all extended family. They are genetically connected to each other. There's a big difference between extended family and like family family. There is a big difference between cousins and brothers and sisters. Between, you know, between like relatives and immediate family. There's a significant difference there. Very closely related, very closely connected is very different from I am a son or daughter of this family. When it comes to God, family family is everything. Immediate family Immediate family is everything. It doesn't matter if you hang out at God's house all the time. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're best friends with all the people in God's family. It doesn't matter how supportive you are of the family of God. The question is always, are you in the family family? Are you in the immediate family of God? Have you become a son or a daughter of God? Have you become a son or daughter of God? Because when it comes to God. And his family, immediate family means everything. And the good news of the gospel has always been God has flung open his arms and the the doors of his family saying, I want you to be in my family family. 
I want every, whatever your background, whatever, whatever your story, I want to adopt you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want you in, not just close by, I want you in my family, family, and I want to adopt you. And the question is, have you said yes to that extraordinary invitation from God? That extraordinary invitation to be part of the family, family of God. Paul writes about this a lot. Uh, the New Testament writes a lot about this. And we read this in Galatians chapter 4. It says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son. We're talking about Jesus here. Jesus is the way to be part of this family. God sent his son Jesus, born of a woman under the law, to redeem or purchase or to, to get this so that everything works. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption. One of the big things that Jesus came to do is make it so that we might receive adoption. Adoption into God's family family. That's what he's aiming to do here. So uh, adoption as sons or daughters, I think you're mature enough to be able to translate and put in the appropriate word uh, for, for you. We might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son Jesus into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Like, we get to be able to call, call God Father, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. You're not, just, you're not just casually a part of the family when you're adopted. You're all in with all the perks and all the benefits and all the goodness of being part of the family family of God. Again, slaves are in the house all the time. They have an important role in, 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 those, in those households back then. But, but being a part of the house and being connected to the house, being essential to the house is not the same thing as being a son or daughter uh, adopted into the family, in this case, the family of Jesus. Some of you spend a lot of time at, at, at church and or watching church online. Maybe, maybe you, you think about God a lot and you, you, you're close to people who, who, um, who, who are part of the Jesus thing and, and the church thing. Maybe you're even married to somebody who is a Christian. Maybe you're married to someone who's been adopted into God's family, and so you are functionally like a son-in-law of God or a daughter-in-law of God. There are perks to being a son-in-law and daughter-in-law of God. There's perks for your children. There's perks for your household. But that's kind of where it stops. What you need is to transition from being a son-in-law of God or a daughter-in-law of God to be a son, to be a daughter adopted into God's family. That's how you get to be forgiven. Of every, that's how you get to be saved. That's how you get to be a part of, of God's heaven. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the, the Edomites, they're all related. They're all closely related uh, to Abraham, but that's not enough. That's not enough. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of God. You are adopted into God's family, permanently into God's family. You get the forgiveness, the grace, all of that stuff, and you get heaven someday. It's God's heaven. Now, people find this offensive, but it's glorious. It's God's heaven. He made it, and it's for his family family only. Wait, wait, wait that, that's not fair. It's heaven. Isn't that for the good people? Isn't that for the, isn't that for the you know, people who are, you know, like, who, who, whatever? No, heaven, it's God's heaven, it's only for the family family. 
It's not for the in-laws. Do you want your in-laws? Your... No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. No. I'm sorry. Please uh, don't quote me on that. It's only for the family family. It's only for his sons. It's only for his daughters. And yet, uh, uh, whatever, whatever that means for you in your situation, the, the door is flung wide open because God has done everything that he can do to, to say, yes, be in my family family. Be adopted into my family family. Say yes, give your life to Jesus and, and get all the perks of being a part of the family of God. If you've not given your life to Jesus, if you've not been adopted, I'm going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. But for some of you, it's, it's time to make that shift from being close from being cousins, from being in-laws, to being sons, being daughters, being the family, family of God. Before I lead you in that opportunity to give your life to Jesus, I have a wonderful challenge for you all today. It's super fun. I'm enjoying these challenges. Uh, I didn't get any examples of maps drawings last week. Feel free to email them to me at Laura, no, at Brian at rehope.co.uk. Um, this one is read the book of Ruth. Read the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, which is about a Moabite, a Moabite becoming part of God's family family. Becoming a part of God's immediate family through boldness and through faith. Just, just read that. Cherish that, that, that story. Cherish that that journey. I want to pray for you. Close your eyes. In the first half of the message, or the first bit of the message, I talked about those big requests. Have you put a limiter on the things that you're asking God for? We're just asking. We're not demanding. But I'm going to just give you that moment. Why don't you go ahead and ask God for, for, for that, maybe the big things that you, you really would love for Him to do. Not demanding, but humbly, but yet yeah, asking. Maybe, maybe God will say yes. He does sometimes. Give you that moment. God, I, God, I want you to answer my big prayers with a yes. And I want you to answer all of these people's big prayers with a yes. You're God, and you know, and you know, you know what's right and, and best and everything like that, but, but I'm, I'm just, I'm saying, take, pay attention. Pay attention and, uh, and consider these, these big requests. If you want to, uh, if, you're, if you're like, yes, I want to join the family, family of God and be adopted into God's family, transition from wherever you are, to, to be part of the family of God, I suggest praying something like this. God, here I am, and I want to be a part of your family now. I want to, I say yes, you've made the way through Jesus to be adopted, in, in, to be your son or to be your daughter, and, and that's what I want to. Thank you for making the way with Jesus. I now dedicate my life to, to Jesus I now commit my life to living as is appropriate for God's family. Forgive me. Fill me with the spirit of Jesus. And help me. Help me. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.